It's it's a new week. Aren't you happy? I am. I like I like starting all over, and I'm happy that I'm feeling good tonight. Uh, when I left here on on Friday night, I still got a little bit of fogginess to my voice. But um, Friday, Saturday, and a good part of Sunday, I was just destroyed by pollen, and I don't, I don't get this way. Saturday was the worst, but uh, Friday night sucked too. But I'm glad we got through that, and now I, I think I've become immune to it because it's not—it hasn't gone away. I think I just got uh, got used. I have now assimilated with the pollen. I've now I have be I, I'm I'm able to take it in and make it a part of me. It's made me stronger, I believe. So I am part man, part tree. So thank you guys and gals for being here for a, uh, a f- uh, Monday night. It's the 15th day of May. And boy, oh boy, do we have some stuff to do tonight. Now, it was going to be a little bit of a weekend roundup. We were going hit, to hit up the headlines, but now the headlines have changed since the John Durham report has come out. And it has once again, as if we didn't ha- already have Michael Horowitz's IG report and no that just from open source investigation that we could do, that the, that the Russia investigation from the beginning, which is before election day, which all ties into the way that Hillary Clinton was treated on the campaign trail when she was outed for committing crimes that should have, have had her sent to Fort Leavenworth for uh, a couple of lifetimes. We knew it was bullshit. And after a while, we started coping with the idea that even though we had we had witnessed the most extensive laundry list of crimes that anybody has been able to ca- uh, categorize and catalog, I should say, uh, 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 from a civilian standpoint. I mean, we don't even have the tools, the investigative tools available to us that um, the federal government does, and still we're able to catalog, uh, uh, catalog the uh, the crimes that were committed. Not only in just the spying, but the cover-ups, the media complicity. It was just incredible. And still, we learned afterwards to cope after a while to realize this is just the way of it now. There's no going back. There will be no justice. And you got to pray for the people in our lives, our friends and family, who look at this and they were like, come on, get Trump. Oh, he definitely colluded with the Russians. Like, you fucking child. You sad fucking child. You child. You know, that's what we're left with. So I was I was always I was almost hoping that we never had to go through this again to have another have another I don't know confirmation thrown in our faces, but that we had today. Confirmation of a number of things. That A, it was all bullshit. And it's not uh, it doesn't do any justice to call it bullshit because it's an, a very serious string of crimes. 
predicated on nothing but um, shadow government will and desire and whim. And then the second thing is that we're not going to get any justice. So two th- two reminders that I, we do, did we really need it? No, but they have to tie up loose ends, even though the tie is loose as well. There's nothing. There's nothing tight about this. And it, it, and if you went on to Twitter earlier, and you saw that there was some sort of an issue, or not an issue, there was a Twitter space that was started by that Mario guy, whoever the hell he is, that always has ten thousand people listening to his Twitter spaces, and and ninety percent of the people on those panels are just fucking useless. How the Krasenstein brothers, those mutants, who are part oblivious to the entire world and part they are just living slide threads. You know how you go on 4chan and they just start sliding all the good, th- sliding all the good threads out of there. Just make sure they get the hell out. Get anything that's that's worth reading, slide it out with ten thousand. Uh, 10,000 topics of bullshit. That is what the Krasensteins are. They are human slide threads. Whoever that Joa guy is or Noah guy is, useless. Talks like he has a retainer in his mouth. Useless. All useless. And it makes, it just makes it so much worse. It makes it feel claustrophobic. Claustrophobic to be around that much obtuse bullshit. So, um, we're live tonight on a bunch of, bunch of places. I, I got Twitter back into the fold. But now I see that Twitch has dropped off. I don't know if that's that's real or or imagined. That's what my that's what my OBS is telling me. So I'll I'll try to reconnect with that, and then when I do that, it'll drop off from something else. But anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to a new week. I have gone and scurried ourselves a nice little first half guest after I get through with our our um our opening and. Uh, our grab bag, I'm going to bring on Kyle Serafin, FBI whistleblower, good friend of the show, and he's going to come on for the, the second half of the first hour. He's going to, I think he's has a couple of other media appearances tonight, including a 10 p.m. appearance on Laura Ingram. So I say, hey, well, if you want to come on and sharpen your knives with us, then go right ahead. I would love to have you on, since, of course, this does refer to his old workplace and uh, and the culture there because this is a indication of culture no doubt about it so kyle seraphin will be on at the bottom of the hour or about 25 minutes or so and that's uh that's what we got going on over there now um i want to thank everybody for showing up i want to thank my sponsors uh bluemonsterprep.com keep prepping the only thing you can rely on is yourself your neighbors your family your friends so make sure that you got enough for yourself, maybe a little bit extra for people who don't take you seriously in all of the reasons why you may need it. That's food, water filtration, two-way communication, first aid, all types of first aid, power generation, solar. Go and check out bluemonsterprep.com. It is um, very important that everybody does a little bit. It's insurance. Everybody has insurance. You're compelled to buy insurance for a number of things. This is insurance you can eat and drink. Insurance that can keep your lights on a little bit longer than other people's. So go ahead and if you don't know where to start, get in touch with Pat and Gina at bluemonsterprep.com. They are 
beautiful people, and they are longtime members of this audience. So when you talk to them, you're talking to a fellow Frankly or Franciscan. I don't know. I don't think that they've been radicalized yet, Pat and Gina. I think they're just the regular friend, the, the regular Frankly type. We gotta watch out. Gotta watch out. The Franciscans are like the um, the, the the Patriot Front. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about those freaks in the second half. They show up in their khakis and their uh, party city shields. Give me a fucking break. <clears throat> stop. Stop. Don't. I don't want to curse. I really, I really want to make a change in my life. Every once in a while you have to. And the impact will be better then. But I want to find goofy alternatives to cursing. I think it'll be better for my soul. You know? So I've already, I already got to put a, uh, a penny in the jar. Trust me. Pennies will do fine. All right. That's all I got on that. And uh, for the rest of the week, who do we have? It's Kyle Serafin tonight. Last second. Last second booking. Tomorrow night, it'll be a short show because I've got band practice. I've got to meet with the guys uh, in, the, in the 8 o'clock hour. We've got Lindsay Sharman coming on the show on... Wednesday, we'll be talking about fifth generation warfare in education, homeschooling ease, normalization of psychopathy, a lot of things there. On Thursday, I think it'll be really interesting. Uh, first time guest, he represents some proprietary technology that I, I, when it caught my eye because we've discussed EMF, just um, immersion and what electromagnetic frequencies do to us on a day-to-day basis, how it impairs our health, our regenerative um, functions of our bodies, all that stuff. I want to I talk a little bit about it with a man named Corey Hills from uh, EMF Solutions. And we're going to be discussing some technology that he has developed that actually helps dissipate, neutralize, that's what he says, neutralize those EMF um, those uh, those waves that are just caked on top of each other now I don't know anything about uh, about this but I thought it would be a really interesting uh, question to ask how he came up with what he did and uh, and whether or not it holds any water I I wouldn't know so I want to ask those questions and I think that people out there would be interested too all I know is that every once in a while I'll see online hey buy this uh, pendant Buy this pendant with a little copper coil in the middle, and it's going to fluff your aura and make sure that none of the 5G gets you. And I, I never really put any, any into that, but when we talk anything into that, but when we, we talk about any kind of a, I don't know, a generator or any kind of technology bigger than that, I'm, I'm, I'm game of listening to it. So that's going to be fun on Thursday night with Corey Hills. Um, Matt will be on Friday next week. We got Bill Altman, the founder of minds.com will be back in. Uh, I think Sam Tripoli the night after Mel K will be in studio on May 31st. She'll be in studio. And then we are booking into June audit. NY will be in June 7th. Leo Zagami on June 8th, Timothy Alberino on the 13th. John Doyle is coming back after all these years on June 14th. Last time we saw John, he was just a wee lad. And now he's a titan in his own his own right. More booking coming up there too. And one last announcement. If you want to be part of the live sessions of the third book club gathering for quite frankly this year, 
It will start on June 1st. We'll be going four consecutive Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. They will be short shows that night. Uh, and if you are a monthly sponsor at any tier, then you will uh, get those those exclusive live links sent to you. And we are going to be reading Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella. It's the book that Field of Dreams was based on. And our co-host for this book is going to be Charlie Robinson of the Microaggressions podcast, who's a fan of the game. He's a fan of the story of the uh, of the movie. I think we're going to have a fantastic time for those four four days and uh, four yeah four days, four Thursdays. So be a part of it. Become a sponsor. It doesn't matter if it's for two dollars. Doesn't matter if it's for a hundred dollars a month. Um, it's all there for you. All right, into the grab bag we go. First one up is from the New York Post. Self-checkout machines now ask customers to tip. People are calling it emotional blackmail. Yeah, no, it's not. Go F yourself. <laughs> I'm trying. I, You can't say F. You have to just, if you're going to say it, just say it, right? Self-checkout machines want you to tip them for all that they do. Businesses are starting to introduce new options for tipping at self-checkout machines, putting even more pressure on customers amid rising inflation costs. No, there's no pressure there. You're not getting a tip from me. Despite having zero interaction with employees during transactions, self-checkout machines at places such as coffee shops, bakeries, airports, and sports stadiums are giving customers the option to leave the typical 20% tip according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Business owners believe that the, the prompt for a tip can boost staff pay and increase gratuities. Oh, really? Then why are you putting self-checkout in, you dumbasses? You want to boost staff pay? Then use your staff. Well, we want to phase them out but not feel bad about it. Why are you putting self-checkout in if you're worried about staff pay and gratuities? These idiots. Because I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tip a computer just because you don't know how to f- f- conduct business and consider your staff. Jeez, they're cutting labor costs by doing self checkout. So what's the point of asking for a tip? Where is it going? Absolutely. Thank you, said Ishida Jamar, a senior at American University in Washington D.C. who has noticed more self service tip cues. Right. You want to phase out the worker and save yourself money, then stop asking for us to tip computers, please. Here's one for you. This is from Microsoft, MSN.com, Washington Post. End of a love affair. AM radio is being removed from many cars. America's love affair between the automobile and AM radio, a century-long romance that provided the soundtrack for Lover's Lanes kept a lonely company and and with ball games and chat shows talk shows sparked family sing-alongs and defined road trips is on the verge of collapse a victim of galloping technological change and swiftly shifting consumer tastes i would love i would love to find a way to jump in on this and take it for myself i would do i would love to bring on AM affiliates all over the place. I don't care if they're not in cars. I'll just start telling people, hey, I'll give people a link from some of the best transistor radios that you can get. Of course, AM radio is going to be around. It's just the new cars that are not going to have it in there. But um, 
I would love, I would love to play around with AM legally and get on AM, some AM stations. I really would. Is there any, is there any station chiefs out there? Any program directors? Anybody? Need anything for the overnights? You can take the, uh, you can take the reruns. It won't be as cozy as live, but I don't know what to say. End of a love affair. Indeed. Anyway, the the breakup is entirely one-sided. A move by major automakers to eliminate AM radios from new vehicles despite protests from station owners, listeners, first responders, and politicians from both major parties. Automakers such as BMW, Volkswagen, Mazda, and Tesla are removing AM radios from the new electric vehicles because electric engines can interfere with the sound of AM stations. What? Oh, and the fact that it's because of the electric, the stupid electric vehicles are doing it. And Ford, one of the nation's top three auto sellers, is taking a bigger step, eliminating AM from all of its vehicles, electric or gas operated. You Nazi bastards. I don't use the word Nazi that often. I think it's a joke, to be honest. But now I use it very seriously. Some station owners and advertisers contend that losing access to the car dashboard will indeed be a death blow to many of the nation's 4,185 AM stations. The possible demise of a core element of the nation's delivery system for news, political talk, especially on the right, coverage of weather emergencies, and foreign language programming. I think everybody should go out there and buy themselves a small transistor radio anyway. I bought several of them. Two, I think. Not several. Just two. A couple. I bought a couple of them in the last couple of years because I wanted one in my go bag with all my rechargeable batteries and stuff like that. And I just wanted one on my shelf in case the the power went out. But I don't even care about the power going out anymore. I listen to all my my Yankee games on on the uh, the FM AM. And uh, I just bring it with me in the backyard. If Aurora wants to go for a walk. I'll I'll keep the uh, I'm the I'm walking around with a big antenna, listening to the game. Sounds fantastic. It sounds great. And this summer, I will sit at least a few nights, even if I have to take a Friday night off sometime in July from this show. I will sit in the front lawn. I have to go out and buy some of those those wo- interwoven. Uh, nylon lawn chairs with my transistor radio and I want to listen to a ball game with all the the, uh, the the fireflies bugging out and Aurora running around and um, and and that's it just like my grandparents used to do on summer nights a little bit of radio going and a little bit of a night a little bit of your front lawn and that's all you needed decent evening that's what I'll be doing and I will pour one out for my homies in AM radio for all the the new neutered cars that are coming around with no radios in it. Uh, here's one last one for the road from the post-millennial. New York Hotel cancels 30 rooms for Florida couples wedding to make room for illegal immigrants. <laughs> well, what do you think? You think this is your country? No. We are on hold for 45 plus minutes and we're ultimately told we can't do anything for you. Bye bye. The Crossroads Hotel in Newburgh, New York. Newburgh? I thought they were going to say Newburgh. That's up around Poughkeepsie. Oh, they are pushing. This is not even a, a city thing, ladies and gentlemen. 
They're pushing them into into redder parts of the country uh, of the outside of New York City. New York, aside from Buffalo and Albany, is totally red. Twenty-seven million people, nine million in the city, couple million in Buffalo. The, the majority. The problem is that people don't vote. They have whether it's just they're not inclined to, uh, they're underage, whatever the hell it is. There's, it's just it's just sick. They're pushing this into Newburgh. Okay. 160 guests. They expected their wedding, and the total drop from the booking to better to to better house illegal immigrants being shipped up from New York City. The Post reports 35-year-old Deanna Mifsud, Mifsud, like Joseph Mifsud, of fake Russia hoax fame, and 37-year-old Gary Moretti. They intend to get married on June 24th in upstate Wallkill, New York, part of Orange County, and booked at the Crossroads Hotel because it's 20 minutes away. Nope, sorry. Sorry, it's a real burden on New York. Real burden, it's a burden. Then send them away. Everybody, can we do this together? We need, they need to be here, just not here, here. Then let's all agree, they gotta get out of here. Get them the fuck out of here. But no. Nope. So, all right, we'll be right back because we have more breaking news for you. Right here on a Monday night, tempo setter for a new week. We'll be right back, don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! All right. There's something happening here. What it is. 7:18. p.m. East Coast time. I hope wherever you are, whenever you're listening, it is just the right time and you're relaxed and you're settled in for another trip around the block with me. You're sitting in the back seat, kids. Don't worry, we'll go for ice cream afterwards. Everyone, give this episode a thumbs up if you're watching it on YouTube and Rumble especially. It really helps. I mean, I don't know what happens on YouTube, but for the time that we're there, let's just try to do something. 
Let's shock the world. Let's make ourselves grow. We, we gotta, we gotta do it. We can do it ourselves. We're gonna have to do it ourselves. And on, and on Rumble, please, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a thousand people watching, which there's at least usually that over there, please make sure that we're as close to a thousand likes as possible because it'll only make it so that the next time you watch, you'll have new friends in the chat because they'll have found us. All right. On top of that, welcome back all of our friends on Twitter. This is the second time we are now live on Twitter in years since um, since things got a little bit uh, dicey over there at Periscope. And well, we're under new management now, and hopefully we can survive a little bit longer on Twitter. And if you like what you're seeing there, please give it a whole bunch of hearts and share it and reblog it, retweet it. Become my sponsor for the evening through social media and syndicate me. Thank you. All right, let's get to some quick things before I bring on Kyle Serafin. And then remember, if you have any kind of questions or comments you want to leave because, I don't know, you're not going to be able to call in later or you want to make sure that your thoughts are on the record without having to roll the dice of not getting through, you can always send your thoughts to superchat.com. That's a universal super chat that we set up for you. So now... Here's what we have from Zero Hedge. I'm just going to cut to the chase because Kyle will be on in about five minutes. Durham's final report, devastating to the FBI, exonerates Trump, a CNN anchor admits. Special counsel Donald <laughs> Donald Durham. <laughs> oh, special counsel John Durham released his final report on Monday following over three years of investigation into the FBI's handling of the Trump-Russia probe. Three years. Three years. According to Just the News, the report concludes that the FBI had no verified intelligence or evidence when it opened up an investigation into Donald Trump and his campaign in the summer of 2016. That's what I wish. That's what, you know, every once in a while, I was like, I want to get in on this stupid Twitter space with everybody like, well, you know, even people who are, who are saying this is, you know, acknowledging how bad this is, they're talking about how going forward, we need to figure, you know, this is not right, how they did this to try to prevent a guy from getting reelected. Like that is like cherry on top. This started, this started with no predicate in the summer of 2016. This was a spy operation. And once he won, then they had to kick this into full gear to paralyze his presidency because they, they, they couldn't be found out. It was a cover-up. The investigation was a cover-up. I mean, there's so many other purposes that this suited and served over, the, over those three and a half years of abject lies. Durham placed blame on the FBI and DOJ for failing to follow their own standards. Oh, oh, a couple of typos. Misplaced semicolon. In a probe where we should have never taken, where it should never have taken place, including the agency's surveillance of an American citizen without basis. Based on the review of Crossfire Hurricane, this is a quote, and related intelligence activities, we concluded the Department of F- of the, uh, the the Department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strictly of strict fidelity to the law in connection with certain events and activities described in this report. Wrote Durham. Jonathan Turley tweeted, the Durham report states that Clinton general counsel Mark Elias, quote, declined to be voluntarily interviewed by the office. Elias was recently revered or severed by the uh, by the Democratic National Committee from representation. 
The campaign was fined by the FEC for hiding his funding. Hiding, hiding his funding of the, um, of the dossier as a legal expenditure. I believe that was $5 million now. She says, I don't know what it was. Most people in this audience would demand a receipt for anything that costs more than 15 bucks. You're telling me that Hillary Clinton did not know what $5 million was going to buy her? And do you remember that some of that money... I, why do I why do I think I remember, I'll ask Tracy this later on I told Tracy if you're feeling up to it if you're not if you're not blowing a gasket because I know this is making her go nuts then call in the second half because I'm pretty sure that some Obama for America PAC money something w- went into that five million dollars then again they all knew they're game planning this The FBI personnel also repeatedly disregarded important requirements when they continued to seek renewals of that FISA surveillance while acknowledging, both then and in hindsight, that they did not genuinely believe there was a probable cause to believe that the target was knowingly engaged in clandestine intelligence activities on behalf of a foreign power. Hmm. Hmm. Any wonder why James Comey and Mark Warner put a stop to Julian Assange coming to the United States. Any wonder why? When they had him ready, they had a deal all worked out, Julian Assange was coming over, all he wanted was some immunity, he'll give him all he needed to know about the DNC leak and solve that, because it was all connected, don't you know? It was all connected. Because because before all of the dossier stuff, before they went out there and fabricated this nonsense, they were claiming that the chief evidence was Donald Trump getting up in front of the press in summer of 2016 and saying, hey, Putin, you know, if you if you found the 33,000 emails, that'd be great, too. Saying this out loud, they're saying that that was proof positive. That was a public collusion. He was publicly colluding in front of everybody. Why even you need to investigate? If that's the proof, I mean, it's, it's right there. What, what do you need to investigate? He's publicly colluding with with uh, with Russia with a joke that he made. So th- this is, uh, makes better and better sense, right? But then we also know why. We also know why. Because uh, Julian Assange is the gateway to Seth Rich and a murder that, that, that it also, also the responsibility for that murder lies in this, uh, this area too. Uh, let's see here. What else we have? Greg Price. According to the Durham report, the report, the plan by Hillary Clinton to create a false story linking Donald Trump to Russia was briefed in August of 2016 by CIA director John Brennan, commie, voted for Gus Hall, to President Obama, VP Biden, AG Loretta Lynch, and FBI Director Comey. Wow. The super friends, they were all there. Technofog. We have the Durham report, a a running thread, the Clinton campaign plan to link Trump-Russia, known to the CIA, was briefed by President Obama, briefed too. Obama, Biden, Lynch, and the FBI director. The FBI and DOJ restricted two investigations into Hillary Clinton during the 2016 election, the Clinton Foundation investigation, and illegal foreign contributions to the Clinton campaign. No investigative activities occurred for months. That's the quote. Crossfire Hurricane was opened as a full investigation, yet days after it was opened, Peter Strzok was essentially telling a London FBI employee that there's nothing to this. 
According to an FBI CHS in the 2016, in early 2016, the Clinton campaign was fully aware of and okay with the foreign contribution in violation of federal law. The FBI agent didn't get receipts and asked the source to stay away from the Clinton campaign. Oh. More from Technofog. The FBI made no effort to investigate the Clinton uh, campaign's acceptance of illegal campaign contribution that was made by the FBI's own long-term CHS, confidential human source. The Carter Page FISA was submitted under intense pressure from the FBI leadership. FBI Director James Comey in particular wanted the Carter Page FISA badly. Comey to McCabe, where is the FISA? Where is the FISA? Comey, li- Comey repeatedly asked him, where is the FISA? What's the status with the Page FISA? This is a guy, Carter Page, who was a known asset of the CIA, known asset of government intelligence as early as, I believe, January or March of that very year, 2016. This is why they had Kevin Kleinsmith come in and, and obfuscate everything. Because, of course, if they brought in Carter Page as a, you know, this, this is a, a, a potential plant and they're using him to two hop their way into all uh, into the, the, the Trump campaign. If if everybody if it was open knowledge there that Carter Page was actually a known asset of the federal government in trying to investigate actual Russian gangsters. Then the whole thing would be not so they had to wipe out his background to be able to use him as a a fall guy. And the media, they just played with themselves. They played with themselves for the entire world for years, like Jeffrey Tubin, worse than Tubin. Spread Eagle every night diddling their skittles over this shit. And, and most of them knew it was all bullshit. Most of them knew it was all bullshit. They gave each other Pulitzer Prizes. They got Pulitzer Prizes for the reporting on this bullshit. Just incredible, isn't it? Just incredible. I mean, um, hey, you know what? I, we're just going to go right to the guest because I, I don't even want to make my own blood pressure go up anymore. I'm just going to put it on Kyle. Kyle Serafin, FBI whistleblower, friend of the show. How are you, Kyle? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Where the hell are you over here? Hold on a second. Um, Where am I? Oh, are you, can you hear me okay? No, you, I can sound good. I can hear you. I can see you. Fine. I just have to switch the monitors over here. So in the meantime, while I'm fixing the, the monitor, just yeah. give, give it to me straight. Uh, what is the first thing? that are you you're thinking when you're watching this first we have the michael horowitz ig report that showed the fbi was constantly lying and omitting and obfuscating to keep this thing going and now the durham report but again no charges recommended just let it rip don't hold back and uh go for it we got four years of uh political bureaucrats sort of stepping in it and designing then you got four years worth of unappointed government or unelected government officials executing this thing. Um, uh, and then three years of the media running with the narrative since it's already been done, just 100% full court press against a guy. Look, Trump was no saint. There's no doubt about it. But this stuff, 
it's it, it makes your blood boil. I, I want to see public hangings. Is that acceptable? Can we talk about that? I, that? I I've been with it the whole time. I mean, it's it's not out of it's not out. Of, it, it shouldn't be out of the question. In in a that's Same. what. But this is what I'm talking about, Kyle. You're just saying you you want to talk about public hangings for for treason, sedition, real real sedition, not what they're talking about with this January sixth stuff. It's almost too much to bear. When I'm talking strictly from a claustrophobic standpoint here, not like I'm having an emotional breakdown. We are boxed in by snickering felons. There is no recourse in the justice system. And then, to add insult to injury, we have to live around sit literal citizen slaves who are far too stupid or proud at this point, probably both, to see how this is bad for all of us. Claustrophobic is the best way I can describe it. Well, they, they have a vested interest, right? Right. Uh, they have this vested interest in believing the thing that they're being spoon-fed because if they don't, then everything that they've been doing has been a lie. And that goes back to whether they got COVID shots. That goes back to whether... Um, you know, they, they got rid of their friends and family members over this thing. Um, it goes back to whether or not they could actually win a legitimate election with some terrible candidate. Like, it was, it was, it was objectively obvious to me as someone who didn't vote for Donald Trump the first time around that Hillary Clinton was probably the least likable person to ever run for office with Donald Trump maybe being the second, at least the first time he ran. Like, there was so much polarization. And everybody acted like the FBI got in there and, and somehow disrupted it when James Comey got up and and did his, you know, any no reasonable prosecutor speech. To me, it, it seemed very obvious that the people who believed that Hillary Clinton had never done anything wrong in her whole life because they need the Democrat Party to win because that's what they're, you know, they're wedded to, those people heard that no reasonable prosecutor would go after her. And then the other people who were going to vote for Donald Trump either way heard, you know, the FBI is committing malfeasance and they are now going to use prosecutorial discretion to not go after someone who has done something that would have landed me in jail. No doubt in my mind, if I had done the thing that Hillary Clinton had done, if I had taken those emails, put you know top secret information, FBI teams would have kicked down my door, I'd be sitting in a prison cell right now. So those are two things. Like, you know, both people saw what they wanted. It didn't do the thing that happened in 2020, where you had this malicious and persistent messaging campaign that somehow the sitting president of the United States was a Russian cat's paw based on no information. And, and I heard a lot of people say this, and I know you and I were in the same Twitter space earlier, where they were basically like, you know, re-adjudicating the information, saying, oh, it's nothing new, it's nothing we heard. Here's the way I say it. And I had a chance to, they wouldn't let me on the, uh, the stage, or they put me on the stage, but they didn't want to hear what I had to say. So I w- oh, man, I wish they would have let you through. I just didn't want to hear what they had to say either. I left. The, the story is this. What we knew was the equivalent of being in public and having a common friend group where people come up to you and they go, hey man, um, you know, the word around town is that uh, your girl's running around on you. And, uh, and you go, oh really? And then you go, yeah. And then, and then everyone's like, hey man, I saw her with this guy. I saw her with this guy. And they give you all the information and you're like, I'm pretty sure my old lady is running around on me. That's the story, right? You get that feeling. But this report to me is you go home and there are not your clothes on the floor and the sheets are rumpled, right? And there's a couple of beer bottles that are beers that you don't drink and you go like, oh, yeah, uh, I've been hearing about this from all the people, but I just walked in on it. And then you hear some noises coming out of your bedroom that shouldn't be there, or someone's taking a shower in your shower, and you don't know who the dude is. That's the that's what we saw. And so, uh, you know, that's a very crude way of looking at it. But end of the day, what we saw was they wrote up pieces on here. Actually, I did all these. Um, I was I was rage tweeting. I think I told you this when we were talking earlier. I'm gonna have to like look upward to read some of these things. But these came right out of my timeline here. So this is the stuff that I, I lost my mind about. All right, um, number one, it says, uh, the speed and manner in which the FBI opened and investigated Crossfire Hurricane, the code name for the, the, the case against Trump, 
reflected a noticeable departure from how it approached prior manners involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans aimed at the Clinton campaign. Okay, so we have a notable difference in standards. That's number one. All right. Then it says uh, there were multiple investigations into the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton campaign. And in the third one, which we're going to mention right here, it said in a third investigation, uh, they just said in a third, but I'm, I gave it, you know, parenthetically, the Clinton Foundation, both senior FBI and department, that's DOJ officials, placed restrictions on how those matters were handled such that essentially no investigative activities occurred for months leading up to the election. So people go, why didn't we ever investigate the Clinton Foundation? The answer is very straightforward. Because we were told not to. Oh, and, 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 and Kyle, can you put a little bit more uh, detail on when they did actually sit her down and her staff? Um, the, none of them were, were sworn in. Um, I believe that there was nothing recorded either. And um, they have, I, I, I don't know, it was the most effete situation. There was nothing going to be gleaned from that. It just, it was always right. apparent what's going on. Cool. Continue though. Yeah, so here's the, here's the other pieces of it, right? So there's a market, this is another quote, markedly different actions from the FBI with respect to significant intelligence pointing to a Clinton campaign plan to vilify Trump by tying him to Vladimir Putin so as to divert attention from her and her use of a private email server. So there was a specific, and, and, and there were specific actions taken to help the Clinton campaign achieve their political goals. That's wild. But the last and possibly the most, uh, well, maybe not the last. There's two more pieces. Number one, uh, direction by deputy director at the time, Andy McCabe, who became the acting director of the FBI. He was my boss. In fact, one of the weird things about being an FBI agent, you can actually put in this form um, in our internal website. You, you can fill it out, and the, the director of the FBI will send you a congratulations on the birth of your child letter on FBI letterhead and sign it. I've got one for the birth of my daughter, that was James Comey. That's kind of funny. And then my second, is that right? I think that's right. And then my, no, my, my, first, my first daughter is, uh, it was born when Andy McKay was in charge. So I have okay. a letter from Andy McKay. We put it in when Comey was the, uh, was the director, but he was removed. And so Andy McCabe signed it. So that's really weird. But, you know, he was the director of the FBI at some period of time. And one of the things they said here was at the direction of deputy director, Andy McCabe, the deputy assistant director for counterintelligence, that's Peter Strzok, opened crossfire hurricane immediately and struck had a pronounced and obvious hostile feelings towards trump that's the that's the gentlest way they could say it and they actually said you know in gentle terms and then it finally continues the matter was opened as a full investigation without a full verification of the sourcing of the information they didn't even bother to do an interview they got some basically one-off information from an australian uh which is an australian source rather which is to say that we had some all you know intelligence partners in the five eyes that the five uh, intelligence partners that we work with on a regular basis said, hey, you know, this might be going on, didn't vet it, didn't go out and grab an interview with this person and immediately opened up the case, which is markedly different than what they did with the Clinton Foundation, which is, to, and then here's the last little piece of it that I think is incredibly telling. And I pulled this direct quote out as well. No defensive briefings were provided to Trump or his campaign concerning the information received from Australia that suggested there might be some type of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians either prior to or after the investigations were open. No one ever did a defensive briefing. Do you know what a defensive briefing looks like? No. So I used to conduct these, and they're not a big deal. Like, you could go out to... I've done them with members of the, uh, the city government in Fairfax County, which is to say minor government officials. 
we would go do them for people in inter international business, and we would go and do them with people that operated uh, high levels, CEOs and, and directors and stuff like that. But anybody that might travel overseas, we would go and do, if we had credible information, what's called a defensive briefing. And that's to say, here is the threat picture overseas in the area that you're operating as we see it. These are the possibilities that could happen should you be approached by a foreign intelligence service or what we would call a co-op D. A co-op D is someone that doesn't work for fill in the blank intelligence service, but they have been asked to make an approach uh, on behalf of that service. And the most notably that are using this is the Chinese. So they'll like to go and get like a business person that is, you know, subservient to the CCP. They'll come out there and make a connection to an actual Intel officer so they can run you as a source. So you may be recruited. We would like to make sure you know about that. And if you witness these behaviors, come back and talk to us. We'll help you. And we can decide whether or not we should cut off all contact with that person or whether we should run you as a double agent operation or any of the things. It's preemptively letting people know that this is a possibility for you in your life so you're not caught off guard and you know what that behavior means as it comes towards you. And so a, a defensive briefing is very common. The fact that none was done for the Trump administration and, and specifically not done for Donald Trump himself when we know that the Clintons got it, mm -hmm. very telling. Yes, It's a, a partisan activity you know, done by unelected bureaucrats who had no, their allegiances to the Constitution, not to the agency and not to the goals of their own, you know, spouses or their own personal political whims. This is totally ridiculous stuff. So I've been furious for the last couple hours, as you can probably tell. Like, I, I haven't had any coffee in hours, and I'm still just, like, wired right now. No, hey, it, listen, it, this, is, this is even more personal for you, having been there. Were you there right. during, uh, in this window of time? I forget when you were... Uh, yeah, all of it. Okay. So this kicked off in July of 2016. I was hired in June of 2016. I was at the Academy until November of 2016. And the major started, uh, the major sort of like FISA stuff that started kicking off in November, December. I was my first couple days in the office. So I wasn't aware of a lot of this stuff, but I was on the same floor where this was happening. Uh, you know, the, the fifth and sixth floor of the FBI's Washington field office are both skits. One does counterintelligence, one does counterterrorism. I'm, I'm ashamed to say it's actually been long enough. Actually, I'm sort of proud. It's been long enough since I've been in those buildings to actually know which one is which. I think the fifth floor is the uh, the counterterrorism, and I think the sixth floor where I was at is where the uh, the counterintelligence goes down. I think that's correct. Um, but all that being said is, you know, you have a couple of desks here, a couple of different squads that are working on the Chinese threat. you got a couple here working on different other countries. And then, obviously, there's some around Russia. So if Regardless I stepped out of my desk and made a left turn, I would have ended up at the Russia squads, of which there were about a you know half dozen, you know, in, in 20 or 30 feet. I would have just immediately walked right into their space. You know, we shared a break room. And so this stuff was happening right next to me where I was at. And I knew people that were on these squads. I didn't know what they were all working on. That's the, that's the other thing about the FBI. So much of it is compartmentalized on purpose that you don't necessarily know what your brother squads or sister squads are doing. And that's by design and you have no need to know. So you wouldn't ever ask. They might complain about it. Um, I knew one of the guys that was working on the Snowden case, which by the way, there's still a Snowden case, you know, and they had this ship. It's like a, a clipper ship, mm -hmm. you know, a model, um, a little a wooden model of a ship. And there's about a dozen monkeys hanging off it, like off the, the, the different uh, pylons or the and, the and the riggings and stuff like that, and they're they're all over. It. There's a monkey at the, the the helm, and they passed that little ship around to whoever was in charge of the Snowden case because it was the ship of monkeys, which was just to say it was just a total shit show. Oh, that's it. Yeah, and I guess and I guess the the leadership and all these things always change. There's always people getting right. moved and, around. And they're always handing it off like you know. Let's say you're working on the Russia squad today. So you know somebody took my cases. I opened up some cases that were on you know Chinese threat stuff. I'm doing my job. And then I get a, I put in for a transfer, and I get a transfer out to the surveillance gig, which was way better for me. And when that happened, 
you know, they took some brand new poor bastard out of the academy and they put him in my seat, my old seat, and, you know, they gave him my car and they gave him my computer and then he got all my files. And so he, he would read it and then he would, you know, send me text messages. Hey, can I talk to you? It's like, about what? And he was like, about some of your cases. I'm like, did you read the case file? Well, I just wanted to, no, 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 read the case file. That's what everybody does. So it's very common that these cases turn over. I literally had cases uh, on Chinese threats that were approved by Peter Strzok when he was a supervisor. So when he was the deputy assistant director at counterintelligence, that would make him probably like an SES-1, maybe an SES-2, probably an SES-1. And when he was there, um, you know, two steps below that, he was signing off on cases that ended up in my bucket of cases to work. Did you? So, ever, I mean, it's a very small world in that. Oh, I can imagine. It, 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 and that's, it's a small world for us to think that, you know, you guys are all in the same terrarium out there. Uh, I can imagine. Did you ever see, did you ever catch Peter Strzok and Lisa Page playing spin the bottle? I did not. not, So that was happening over the Hoover building. Here's the thing. I had access to the Hoover building. I've been in there a number of times. I used to have, you know, badge access. I never saw that kind of stuff. But that sort of behavior is incredibly common. Um, Sort of the the betrayal of the spouse move, the sort of, um, you know, hanky-panky with your subordinates. I I was shocked to find it out. When I became a whistleblower, it kind of came public. Um, Everybody started sharing with me all the dirty secrets. Like, I got a lot of dirty laundry that was shared. And it didn't matter what it was the, you know, the the former um, special agent in charge of the Miami field office. He's a guy named George Pirro. There was a, you know, he was famous for banging subordinates. In fact, any woman that would, you know, interact with him on text messages was looked down on by our internal affairs investigators because they were like, what do they think he's going to do? It's like, well, he's the boss, so he should be appropriate either way. Like, he doesn't get a pass. But sure enough, they sort of, you know, blamed the victim. And so he was, you know, banging some some gal in the field office that was uh, married to another agent, which is also awful. And now she's an Instagram model, and she's uh, intelligent. You know, you can find pictures of her in a bikini on uh, on Instagram and hugging on him and all this kind of stuff. And they, they had, a, like, a fight and a breakup that was real public on social media, which was also obnoxious. And then the New York Times actually defended him and said, "How you know, how dare you? And it's like, uh, well, you could read the the attorney general, I'm sorry, the inspector general's report where he was caught having sex with her in one of the cars, just like Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, in a, in a government vehicle. And then also they investigated further and found out that he had like sexting rings on his government phone. So these people are obnoxious, um, they're immoral, they're unethical, and it shouldn't shock anybody that they're willing to also break the law because they don't have ethical standards once you promote at a certain level. There seems to be... It's ubiquitous amongst FBI senior management. Just the they also don't even care about the rules for national security. They keep their phones on in the skiffs. The skiff is the sensitive compartmented information facilities where you're not allowed to have a phone. That's the basic rule. You can't bring you know electronics in there. I'm glad you bring that up there too because it, you, you want to talk about uh, ethics during the first of all reading all of the the love letters and the pillow talk between those two was very important to the. I mean, I, I, somebody's having an affair somewhere. Uh, it's your life. You're gonna you, you deal with it. It's your it's your relationships. Your families are gonna get you know whatever the impact is. This became part of a national conversation here because we see how they're making these little promissory notes to each other about we need to stop the bad man. Are we we're gonna tell you promise me we'll stop we'll we'll get him baby. You know shit like that was going on. Do you want to know why that actually is everybody's business when you work in a national security setting? Why is that? It's pretty straightforward. If you're willing to betray your spouse, which is a sacred bond that we all swear when we go and get married, right? If you're willing to betray your spouse who has a face 
who has a name that you know, who has a smell that you're familiar with, who um, you know has an expectation that you're going to behave in a certain way, and you can go look them in the face every day and go and carry on an affair, then how easy is it for you to betray the American public that you've never seen because it's a nebulous concept? It's not real. There is an old, uh, an old habit in the FBI security uh, division, and this is something someone let me know about, and I think it's actually brilliant. They stopped doing this, if, if you can imagine. Uh, but they used to polygraph you and ask you about marital infidelity. It was part of your ongoing, your onboarding situation if you wanted to get hired. And every five years when they were supposed to do the reinvestigations, you were also supposed to get interviewed about this stuff. And the reason why is because they found that Robert Hansen, which is what the FBI bases all their possible insider threats, the so-called traitors and spies, the, uh, the insider threat department is always looking for another Robert Hansen. So they just literally look for exactly what Robert Hansen did. And what did he do? He was unfaithful to his spouse. He was bad with money. He had credit problems and financial issues. He didn't ever have enough money and he couldn't run his own bank account. And then lastly, he was an academic cheat. So mm -hmm. he had you know, plagiarized stuff and he had gotten away with certain things like that. So what they, what they do is they used to ask you about marital infidelity during the security interview. And if you either uh, were lying, which you never want to do on that, you get caught on the polygraph. But if you told them the truth and said, yes, I've been unfaithful to my spouse, the only way that they would clear you to go back on duty or to hire you was to bring your spouse in in front of the security investigator oh. and you had to come clean to your spouse in person so they knew you didn't have blackmail material on you wow. because otherwise it was far too easy for an enemy um, security agency to come and compromise you. Wow. So think about that. They don't do that anymore. And when they stopped doing that sort of thing, we started getting all this nonsense, which shouldn't surprise anyone that the rot has been much more quick to fester i would say well let's also let's also be very um very honest about cultural norms at this point i i, I know that uh, that was a, a real big reason why uh, admitting homosexuals into the fbi was was very very no because uh yep. it that's blackmailable as well but marital infidelity for the most part homosexual activity for the most part these things are less and less really shocking which is why of course the things that we hear about now with blackmail is is just it's like soul soul shattering what's going on it's like we have to keep digging to find something to 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 keep the hooks in people if you're going to yeah, keep even if that's the case i want you to consider this it's not just about the infidelity that you're going to be shamed in public, because obviously there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people that have done it. And, you know, even supposedly Donald Trump involved in that didn't shame the man enough for him to, you know, lose any ground with a lot of people. But what we do know is that you will be most likely financially ruined if you are a regular person who didn't have any wealth before you got into government service. And then you go out there and you conduct this way and, and you don't have a prenup. You know, you are going to get destroyed. Yeah. Your pension gets cut in half. Your paycheck gets cut in half. So that is a, a serious motivator for people. If the and, you, and then the last thing is you actually have to look at somebody and tell them that you betrayed the, the trust. So those two things, they still do hold weight. I don't care what anyone says. If it's been normalized, there is a financial cost and there's an emotional cost to getting out there and letting people know that, you know, you presented yourself as this honorable person who defends national security and you have all these different credentials and you wear a badge and people think you are a certain type of person. They look up to you and you've got to admit that all that is bullshit to your spouse i don't care what you say that's got to cost something right there's there that's not a that is not a free discussion to have emotionally i'm glad i brought it up then because it is a big part of this because we have we have the fbi uh here we have we know the lying the obfuscating we know that there is a, a cozy relationship with the clintons there is some people being let off and then there is a reverse engineering of predicate for a spy operation that's going on on the other side of town and but then we have the other thing that i want to i want to get some comment from you here's 13 seconds of jake tapper 
talking about the Durham report, saying yep. it is outright, it is devastating to the FBI. Now, I want to play this, and uh, it's only 13 seconds. Listen up. Regardless, the report is now here. It has dropped, and it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is, regardless, devastating to the FBI, and to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. This is a guy... Now, everything that Republicans would have hoped for. It's trash, man. I, 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 they have to caveat everything. It's 300 pages of destroying the FBI and validating Donald Trump. I guess and what he meant look, is that I'm there's... not a huge Donald Trump fan at all times. I like the guy's policies, but I'm not, like, not going to you know, excuse bad behavior. I think he makes mistakes. I don't think that he's perfect. So when people, you know, I have no vested interest. If, if Donald Trump is the nominee, I'll vote for Donald Trump, I imagine. If, if uh, you know, there's other people that are, that are, fully capable of doing that job. I don't think he's the only savior for the world. But man, he was done dirty. Oh, There's no. no other way around it. I mean, that's the whole thing here. The, they, the people were saying that, oh, well, there, uh, I, I saw, I heard some really, really uh, bad uh, takes on that Twitter space there where people were like, well, you know, it, it is kind of messed up that this was done to try to prevent him from getting reelected. said, what? This was to paralyze him so that they can cover up what they had done prior to his inauguration. This was a par- right. I mean, th- th- and Jake Tapper, um, in that, that late December, early January before his inauguration, Jake Tapper was the recipient of the green light to go and talk about the damn dossier because uh, James Clapper had let everybody know, okay, we have now officially briefed both the incoming Trump and outgoing Obama uh, uh, administration about this dossier, which is all nonsense. But the fact that two presidents were now being briefed on it was the lead for the press to say, hey, listen, we don't know what it is, but both of them have been briefed. It must be. And by the way, here's what it is. And look at all this gratuitous nonsense. Yeah. So here's another damning piece. All this stuff comes right out of the executive summary. If people want to get into it, I'm only 20 couple. I'm, you know, I'm only on the 21st page of this particular thing. You can find the link. I'll, I'll retweet it out because people should read it for themselves. But let me just share this with you. OK, uh, section four goes into it much more deeply. It says undertaken uh, different efforts undertaken by the crossfire hurricane investigators working on the Carter Page FISA application. Those efforts include having CHS recorded conversations with Page, Papadopoulos, and a senior Trump foreign policy advisor. The FBI's own recordings and records established that Page made multiple exculpatory statements as the individual to the individual identified as CHS1. So they're not going to say who the person was, but that's fine. I think it's actually been outed, but I don't really care to remember. But the crossfire hurricane investigators failed to make that information known through the department attorneys. These are the people that go and argue in front of the FISC or to the FISC. The FISC is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, which is to say the place where they decide yes or no on your FISA application. They didn't give them all the information. And here's what people have to know about the FISA. The FISA is conducted in what's called an ex parte hearing. Ex parte means only one part is up there in front of it, and that's the government's part. So it is on the government. The government has a has a fiduciary duty, we'll say, to present both sides of the argument. Here's what we believe. Here's some exculpatory evidence. You are a fair-minded judge that has no say or doesn't care. What say you? Do we get the application approved or not? They are required to actually. This is not a grand jury proceeding where exculpatory information is expected to be left out. This is a fisc where the actual application is all sealed as secret, no foreign where the, uh, all the documents and supporting documents are secret, no foreign, where human intelligence sources are revealed, and they are considered either secret, no foreign, secret, human, and classified for up to 50 years, protect the identity of the people that are involved. So that's the way this thing is actually presented. And what they did was they deliberately left things out. 
And then you've got guys like Kevin Kleinsmith, who actually literally got emails back as they were doing the reapprovals and switched a not to, you know, to, you know, not to yes or, you know, pulled the not out. So it says can in order to, to reverse the implications of the statement 100 percent on its face. So it was a 180, uh, you know, switch from what it actually said, a, a straight in factual statement. And then he was charged with a false statement, 18, you know, 1000, what is it, uh, 18 USC, 1001. Wasn't even and, disbarred. Well, he was. He had his bar. He was he was suspended from the bar and then he was reinstated because you are dealing with a an organization in the D.C. bar that 95 percent of them vote one way and they are political activists and all the tools are on the table. They don't care. They don't care about what's right and wrong. And they have demonstrated that. And this is just 300 pages worth of evidence showing it was a one sided, totally disgusting experience for the, for the American people for seven years. We've been seeing this for seven years and they've been acting like we were the crazy ones. You know. Well, you know, as I opened up before, and I only know we only have a couple of moments left here, I, I thank you so much for this half hour. Uh, you know, I know that you're going to be with uh, Laura Ingram at 10. Do you have another show you're going on before then? No, I'm, I'm going to be doing a Skype check with them at Fox Studios, and then I'll be jumping on with them. Uh, I'll have to probably get dressed up. I I usually put on. Oh a tie. yes, you can't you can't look like as sloppy as you do I'll with me. I'll come on you in my pajamas. We'll yes. just shoot the shit. But uh, like if I'm gonna go on Fox, you got to put on a tie. You got to look like the part. Yeah, yeah, you have to. So that, that, but, the boomer audience, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't actually begrudge putting on a tie. I think sometimes you put it on. You only get a few minutes. You got to do your thing right. It it reminds me when I put on the tie the same way when you go testify. It's like this is your game face. This is your uniform. This is what you do when you're showing professionalism. So uh, that's no big deal. But yeah, yeah. I'm going to go do that. I've got some other shows I'm doing later. I was on Vince Colonnais, who was in WMAL. Um, he's a he's a really good um, afternoon drive host. So I talked about this, and I talked about the pipe bomber situation, which was kind of wild, because uh, it was an article written in the Washington Times by Kerry Pickett a couple days ago. And, um, you know, all that stuff gets broadcast to all the conservative people in the FBI who probably all either know that they're frauds for their for doing what they're doing, or they hate me, and they've decided that they're going to put their head in the sand like an ostrich. You know, I, I, I because we we have so little time, I'm not going to bring up anything huge right now. But when, when you were in there, because um, it was around February, it, it was around October 2016 that we started hearing some really, really, and it was all confirmed too, um, some really sick things about the handling of the of the Anthony Weiner laptop in New York and how the FBI kind of strong-armed them into leaving it alone, uh, you know, using being willing to use the Eric Garner uh, civil rights case against them to make more trouble out there. Did you personally ever hear anything about the, uh, the Weiner laptop and what was on there and why it disappeared? I didn't. Okay. Um, other than, you know, I, I heard what was in the in the... The mainstream media, like I said, compartmentalized, not out of my office. I think I was out of the New York field office, so likely not something that I would have ever heard about other than what was broadly reported and, and everyone's familiar with, you know, that they were Hillary Clinton's emails, God knows why, and all the other sort of things, of course, all kinds of child stuff. But what we do see is a concerted effort on the Bureau's part to, you know, protect certain people and certain narratives, not just people. But, you know, you look no further than what happened with the Audrey Hale uh, manifesto. There is no victim uh, that... that uh, deserves that being hidden in fact the the family should hear what it was about so yeah. there's no there's no uh person that's being tried the case is closed the shooter was dead on scene and this is obviously the uh the uh, coming what is it convent high school um in in nashville yeah. but when you, when you get down to it you don't get privacy when you're dead you have no expectation of privacy particularly when you are accused of this sort of a crime and you leave information there's no federal case there either 
So why in the world would the FBI lock this thing up and, and hold it down? It's the same kind of strong arm tactics. So people are familiar with them. They just have to open their mind up and draw the same pattern. It doesn't have to be political all the time for it to still be a political narrative because it turns out that being you know a trans shooter is now something the FBI is willing to hide you from. No one knows why. My friends were like on the evidence collection teams and they don't know why. They just didn't happen to see that. Otherwise, we'd be talking about what was in that, that manifesto. I've heard some rumors. I just... Well, all, all I know is that it's been made very clear to all of us, over, especially over this weekend, that the not only from Joe Biden, but from that uh, that Patrick Bateman-esque kind of uh, that Mayorkas guy. This guy, he's I, I don't know what's going on with him. I, I, I have to imagine that his mornings start off very much like Patrick Bateman. He is yeah, too. He, he does a thousand crunches and he puts ice packs on his face if they're puffy, right? All very, that. Very, there's something wrong with this guy. And the fact, but we, we've been told once again, uh, white supremacy. Uh, this is what we have to, what's going on. It does not matter. Um, our greatest threat, not the wide open borders, not the soon to be proxy nuclear war in Ukraine, white supremacy. Right. And at the same time, um, a, a masked platoon of idiots in khakis called the Patriot Front go for another well-publicized walk in the park with full police escort. Can you make any sense of this before you leave? They've got to be. They've got to be uh, funded by um, whether they know it or not. There, I'm sure there's plenty of people in there that are happily, you know, part of it, the game. But if there's 150 people walking, I got to imagine there's probably somewhere between 20 and 50 federal informants and or undercovers that are in there that are pushing this along because there's no way they would let this thing go without it. You know, and they're legitimately, um, you, you know, white supremacist types. If you go and read their, their um, if you go read their manifesto, which I've done, I've read the manifesto. I want to know what it says. I wanted to know because they were at the March for Life in 2019. This isn't a brand new group by any means, but they are a group that does this sort of thing that uh, they do seem to have a, an awful lot of ease of getting in and out. I will tell you, I don't think it's the FBI involved in that particularly, although they may have, uh, you know, sources in there at this point. I don't think they're the ones driving it. If it is a federal op, and there's definitely a high possibility of that being the case, it's somebody other than the Bureau, because I've seen the Bureau come after them in weird ways. And when that happens, it kind of tells you a little bit about what's going on. They've uh, they've violated some rights of, of those guys, uh, such as they are, by uh, trying to cover up some things. And I'll, I'll tell people there's a there's a website that I'm going to kind of refer you to. I did a tweet about it earlier. It's a website and, a, uh, and a, uh, an article from May 8th. It says U.S. domestic terrorism prosecutions, the reality behind the government's inflated numbers. The, uh, the website is justsecurity.org. This is a, uh, an activist law firm, so you know, take it for what it's worth. It's obviously partisan. But they sued for thousands and thousands of unveiled cases that the DOJ had prosecuted under, ostensibly had claimed domestic terrorism stats. And what they found was about 5 to 6% of these prosecutions, in fact, had any recognizable tie to white supremacy or domestic terrorism as, as, a, as a whole. So the, the threat is probably 90 plus percent exaggerated. I think people should know that. That was my experience working it. I didn't have the numbers. You can't walk out with documents. But when these guys go out there, they actually have one of the most telling pieces here. There were um, 1,400 or sorry, 1,140 dockets that were not reviewed by uh, this agency, this uh, this non-governmental agency. And they requested that the judge do a sort of a, a, a candid survey and just grab a handful of them and out of 20 documents so he just took 20 at random of the cases reviewed all the casework in them of those 20 and i'm quoting from them he found that 19 out of the 20 cases he reviewed did not involve terrorism but were mostly personal disputes concluding the government's representation of counterterrorism efforts is vastly overstated again that one out of 20 is your five percent and that held with their previous ones where they got thousands of these cases and they saw that they were about six percent um yeah, so they reviewed 14, uh, just over, 
sorry, 1140 of their, their cases, 71 of them had some sort of domestic terrorism case, which was 6%. So that 5 6% rate is probably the sweet spot. One out of 20 domestic terrorism cases are legitimate um, tied to that. But the rest of them are claimed that way because there's a lot of funding in uh, being a... Uh, Yes, and you and I, we went over the uh, we went over that that funding carousel situation the last time you were on, and it's I, I still I still refer people to that last episode you were on with us. It was really really enlightening. But I listen. I know you got a lot of preparation for the rest of the evening. I appreciate this uh, this impromptu showing up here, and and we'll do more of this in the, in the future. Kick ass tonight on Fox, and and we'll talk later. Kyle Serafin. Sounds good. Thanks, Frank. All right, be well. There you go. Kyle Serafin, ladies and gentlemen, he's just chilling. Gave us a little something to um, to gnaw on, and when we come back, I'm going to go through a little bit more, and we're just going to open up the lines. It's the second half, second half of the show. What do you want from me? Huh? Something? You want something from me? So don't go anywhere. I know we have a great audience right now. We have a lot of people watching. Now I'm going to turn it over to you and a few other things I have over here to read. Just going to be about a minute and a half. We will be right, right back. Right? It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite so everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Yeah, like I like I said, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a situation that really brings out shock. I think we all had enough time to 
to cope and and that is not with a that's not like okay well you know we really wanted our team to win the world series this everybody's a loser everybody's a loser when you have to live under circumstances like this considering the concentration of power and the unquestionable authority that it takes to pull things off like this. And it's not even just behind the scenes. Jake Tapper has been an intimate, he's been intimately involved. People like him have been intimately involved with pushing this nonsense and psyoping people from the very get-go. Now, did did he have any foreknowledge of what was going on with the Crossfire Hurricane? I don't know, but he certainly was tipped off directly from the White House. It went from the White the White House gave CNN the green light to start talking about this. You know, BuzzFeed, the now defunct BuzzFeed, they can go out there and talk about the dossier because they're a shit-kicking little site on the internet. But CNN, they still had some, you know, they still had some sex appeal back then, right? All those years ago. They still had some appeal. They had to make sure that they were doing the diligent journalistic thing and 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 not not jump the gun and wait until you had a lead, a solid lead. This was an all hands on deck operation and they pushed it for three and a half years. Three and a half years. They got us through, they got rid of Michael Flynn immediately. They got us through the, the midterm elections. That's when they, that's when they really started, started uh, market testing the ballot harvesting too. And then by summer of 2019, when there was nowhere else to go with all that, they had the Jerry Nadler hearings with, with uh, the, the, uh, the amnesia case, Robert Mueller. The amnesia case didn't know anything, just like his uh, his buddy Jim Comey didn't remember anything. Smartest guy, Eagle Scouts, smartest guys out there, sharpest one. How they ever become FBI director if their recall is so bad? So that was August, and then what we get by September? Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment one, impeachment one flops straight into COVID. Oh man, what a jigsaw puzzle that was put it all to it was seamless we have not had a moment of rest not a moment of rest since 2015 and even then that is just a relative to the things that we were dealing with back then 2015 we were still being psyoped but you think about the weight that we had to bear from the primaries onward from 2016 onward man Man, it has been a roller coaster since then. Wish I can go back, play some bets. Okay, let's go to some super chats here, and then we're going to open up the lines. Oh, we're going to open up the lines. Ken McNeil says, Hi, Frank. When attending Detroit Tigers games with my father as a kid, Tiger broadcaster Ernie Harwell's, his voice was all around the ballpark. Transistor radios were everywhere. Summer baseball nights, the best. Thank you for pulling me back away from all this stuff, Ken, and putting me into that that headspace. It is, it is. It's very American. It's very. It's the. It's the best of times. You know, I understand, and that's why I think the, is the most insidious thing about all the um, 
the mind war stuff that's going on right now. We understand that they're screwing up the present to be able to capture the future, but the 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 part of their plan that demands us to go back into the past and reimagine the good times, objective good times, as something that was bad. That's the worst part because they are in effect stealing your memory. Now, that if you have watched this show for any period of time, you understand that memory implantation is done through the same kind of repetition and persuasion, where they can get people to admit to crimes they did not commit. They're doing this on a mass scale to have us look back to our childhoods and imagine it for something that was bad and terrible, where women and minorities were living like, like animals in the sewer. It was, it was you know, things like, it's like, like that's the kind of implantation that's going on here. And for those who didn't experience it, all you gotta do is tell them that's the way it was and that's the way it was. So we gotta fight for that back. If they're gonna destroy everything around us, then we at least gotta keep our memories. And I don't think that kind of nostalgia is bad. That kind of nostalgia is something that reminds us that uh, we are not who they say we are. I think that's totally healthy. You don't want to live in that golden age kind of thinking where you're always, you know, living in the wrong time. We're exactly where we need to be. But it's okay to go through some exercises in embracing our past again. Ken McNeil says, hi, Frank. When, oh, we, we did that. Ken, thank you so much. Dan Schumann says, is there a supplement I can buy to bring my brain up to speed with Kyle's mouth? Yes. I don't know. Cocaine. Kyle's not on drugs, by the way. The man is just—I mean, he's just got a—he's got one of those Ferrari brains. Works super fast and uh, passion. Passion is a great drug. KT Sky D left me a super chat that is so profane. She's trying to get me to curse by reading this. So I'm just going to read everything that is not a curse. Go F. Kick rocks. Pound sand. Get wrecked. Shut the front door. Are you effing kidding me? Are these She's actually spelling out effing. E-F-F-I-N-G. Are you flipping my pancakes right now? Cheese and rice. That's all I can get you. All right. There you go. So... Hope somebody's flipping Katie's pancakes. Uber Viking says, here's a replacement cuss phrase that is uh, child-friendly. Flipping frog farts. Now, I will definitely say the real thing. You can't give me that many Fs. Flipping frog farts. I'll say something. That, that felt uncomfortable for me to say. I felt like something horrible was going to come out, actually. I'm not doing that. I find myself cussing more these days, and I hate it. Thanks for the reminder. Well, you know, I'm try. I, I try. I don't want to let myself go completely. Uber again says, Happy Mother's Day to all the awesome women who birthed brats like me. You are blessing, Frank, as you give my mom and I so much to discuss, and I'm grateful for every conversation. I can never repay her for all she's done, but I'm glad to have given, to have given her you. Well, that's a... Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Phil's WW says, I'm not sure what I did to deserve the special words I got in the mailbox last Friday, but thank you. Brought a huge smile to my face. Needed it 
suffered suffering like you with all the weekend with the allergies. So miserable, nothing working. Ugh. Well, Phil's, I'm pretty sure I remember writing you the card back. It was a thank you for a card that you wrote, wrote me. I'm, I'm very good at re responding to mail. I do the best that I can. And uh, I forget what I was responding to, but I remember writing it. Rick from Tulsa says, after our Christian roots, the West is left vulnerable against Islamic influence. I, I used to take a very hard stance against Islam, but now I almost welcome it as it as a fit punishment. Frank, would you rather live in an Islamic state or a gay disco state? Um, gay disco state does not scare me. The, 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 see, here's the thing. I would not want to live in an Islamic state as a Christian or especially as a woman but the gay disco state is absolutely harmless I mean, from a from a institutional standpoint if it hasn't been picked up and placed at the tip of a, a government spear the gay disco state has been um, has been strapped over the face of the government that's it. There's there's nothing there. It's uh, nothing to be scared of. That's for sure. It may not be something someplace you want to take a uh, your family for breakfast to the gay disco, but um, it's it's not scary. I I would not want to take Sharia law over that. I would just like our government to stop using uh, gay disco as the new Sharia. That's my whole take on it. I have a birthday over here, a local. Friend of mine, friend of the show. I want to I want to wish a nice happy birthday to Breed Tagani. Right here in Westchester. What a what a wonderful privilege it is to wish that birthday. Happy birthday, Bree. And um I hope she's watching tonight. And if she's not, I'm sure her mom will uh, show her later. So, party up, party up. All right, let's go. A couple more. Any? Let me. Let's see. There's no rumble rants. You guys are more than welcome to throw those out there. And let's go to the foxhole, and then we're going to take some calls. The number is on the screen now: nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. Sean Joe. P N W Sasquatch says thank you, thank you. Jesse eight one one three eight Chai Possum. Paulie says, wow, thanks, Durham, for letting us know what we already knew. Yeah, well, thank you for bringing up bad memories, Durham. Thank you, because we knew all of this. You're right. And we're just, we're, we're just trying to put our attention towards something a little bit more productive, and you're bringing up the fact that, well, you know. Boys Blanc says, I hope you had a great weekend. Aside from the allergies, it was grand. Here's a little something. Let me see here. Let me open this up. Uh, here's a little something from the, what is this? The FBI? A statement on the report by special counsel John Durham. And then I'll get to uh, some comments from Rich Barris. I got to ask Rich about, oh, me and Rich are going to have a lot to say. Going to have a lot to say when he comes on for his, his monthly appearance. What is that? Next... When's the last Monday of the month? Let me see here. Where the hell did my... There we go. 
the 29th. That's going to be a wonderful night. Got to talk to him about the CNN town hall. Got to talk to him about the uh, the Durham. We got statement from report about the report. The conduct in 2016, this is from the FBI, and 2017 that special counsel Durham examined was the reason that current FBI leadership already implemented dozens of corrective actions. Oh, which have now been in place for some time. Had those reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. Missteps? Can you imagine the balls? I should have read this when Kyle was still on. The balls it takes to say this. If the dozens of of corrective actions that we took in the years following 2016 and 2017 were in place before 16, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. The misplaced commas, the misuse of the semicolon. So before 2016 and before 2017, lying was, I guess there was a loophole for lying. This is like saying that if we had only had gun control, we could have dissuaded this murderer once they had made up their minds to go and kill people, which you know would have not stopped a damn thing. This report reinforces the importance of ensuring the FBI continues to do its work with the rigor, objectivity, and the professionalism the American people deserve and rightly expect. You should not exist. You should not exist. Whenever you talk about America, American people, what we expect from you and what you should be doing, you're talking about a fantasy land that is built on top of the ruins of a once republic that had you nowhere in the mix. There's no justification for your existence. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to continue to live with you and all this bullshit patty cake nonsense. I can't believe that. All of the things that they did wrong, they were missteps. They were missteps. And prior to 2016 and 2017, you could literally frame a president or a prospective president because you don't like his foreign policy, because he was he was too diplomatic with Russia and you wanted to keep the Cold War going. What a misstep there. I can't believe that that wasn't put into the FBI manual sooner. My God, they think that we're all stupid. And many of us are. Not this audience. But it's the only reason why they can put that out there with any degree of confidence that it's going to uh, do well. Rich Barris took it a, a step more, step further. You can, let me see here. 914-595-6953. Call in whenever you'd like. Rich Barris said Steve Scalise and four others were shot while practicing for a charity baseball game because the media and deep state convinced a nutcase activist that GOP lawmakers were enabling a traitor in the White House when they knew Russia collusion was a lie. Paul Ryan and other quote-unquote traditionalists reps went along with that dangerous lie too. That same deep state scrubbed his uh, Facebook page before the country could see that he was a Sanders-Clinton supporter who was motivated by the Russia collusion hoax. Not that a crooked media would ever report it, 
but it was there for everyone to see. He thought he was being a hero. Indeed. Indeed he did. Thought he was being a hero. That's what Jake, and for Jake Tapper to be like, wow, this is devastating for the FBI. It's devastating for you too, Jake. It's, it's devastating for you too, Jake. Here's a little bit more though. We're gonna take a, here, here's a call. Let's take a call to hell with it. Hey, what's going on, Jake? Are you there? Oh, it's not Jake, it's Jenny. How you doing, Frank? Jenny, I'm doing fine. How's Jake doing? Oh, Jake's doing great. Um, oh. Say, I'm calling you because I have your jingle. You need to learn your phone number, hon. Okay, what's the jingle? Okay, when you need to talk to Frank, and it's more than just a prank, pick up the phone and dial now. 914-200-0269. Oh, hey, you know what? That has a very uh, chock-full-of-nuts kind of a feel. <laughs> Stop singing it! I know your so- I know your number now by heart. <laughs> oh, jeez! Oh, oh, I like that. Well, well, now it's recorded. I'll just go back and I'll clip it out, and we'll see what we can do with it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so you, you want? Okay, sing it one more time for everybody because we need more callers. Oh my God! I don't know if I can. I'll try. This takes a lot of guts. Oh, I know, but you already did it once. When you need to talk to Frank, and it's more than just a prank. Pick up the phone and dial now, 914-200-0269. Thank you. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Have a good night, hon. You too. Be well. Take care. There you go. Chock full of nuts is that heavenly coffee. Heavenly coffee. You know what? That's another thing. I'm going to brew a pot of chock full of nuts when I am sitting outside listening to a Yankee game with the lightning bugs, perhaps a cigar. And Aurora running around doing something. I don't know, but it sounds good to me. Let's take a call. Uh, what is going? Who is this? Uh, R Worth. How are you, R? Nine eight two eight eight two eight. You there? Nope. No, they bailed on me. All right. I forgot the jingle, but just pretend that Jenny's still singing. Pretend she's still singing. Oh, here we go. 828, welcome back to the show. Who's this? Hey, Frank. It's Rob Worth. Hey, what's going on, Rob? How you doing today? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind? I'm the guy that had the daughter that took her life about a year ago. Oh, Rob, yes. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm not going to talk about that, and I haven't, I'll be up front with you. I haven't watched your show tonight. I've been watching it almost religiously, but I, I, I've had this thing in my head that I want to bring up to you and see what you think. Okay, go ahead. So do you remember hearing about how Monsanto would uh, modify the seeds genetically and they would take ownership of that? Yes. What are your thoughts about like the jab and these pharmaceutical companies eventually trying to take ownership of us because it's genetically modified our DNA. Oh, yeah. You know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, I, I remember all the theories about how if you're if you're mod- modifying us to be something other than human, 
then yeah. um, then you would technically not have the same kinds of rights. Uh, I, there's a lot of theories yeah. about you know how far will this modification go, and then it coincides with all of the the people who who wonder how many how many rights are going to be awarded to AI and robots and sex yeah. sex dolls and everything else. So uh, you know where it all goes, Rob. I I don't know, but there is there is something to be said and theorized a little bit and maybe uh, take a note of and sit back a little bit and watch about w- yeah. what becomes of everything uh, the more that we be we, the more that we're taken off track from what nature intended us to be even if it's the the cabbage that we eat or you know just just us well have have you seen like i i think i saw somewhere not not too long just recently where you you know how the matrix how everybody lived in the little pods yes apparently somewhere they are like taking the the egg and the the sperm and like fucking putting it in these pods now where you don't even have to have um you know sex anymore you know you just extract it from the people <clears throat> and i know you're kind of like kind of i don't want to say anti like transgender but i wonder if like you know, Alex Jones years ago had said, you know, like, there's gay fish. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about, right? But maybe from the get-go, when we give our kids these injections and stuff, that you know, the vaccination that they all have as kids, maybe that's turning them into transgenders where they don't even really want to have sex as normal people anymore. But, get, you know, who's going to be the savior? Well, it's going to be these pharmaceutical and these, these weird companies that want to Say well, if you want a kid, it's going to be twenty thousand dollars, and we'll we'll generate one for you in these little pods. Well, I, I think mean, I, you're not. I think I don't think that you're you're going. Yeah, I think I don't think you're off uh, off track on, on on a lot of that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're in complete hormonal uh, distress. I think exactly. we're in, I think we're in complete hormonal yeah. distress that comes from a number of way uh, places. Pharmaceuticals are definitely going to uh, contribute to that. The the way that yeah. our food is processed, the way that our water is filtered, a, a lot of things. That's on top of just traditional ways of mixing a person up inside their their yeah. head and and taking them off of any kind of you know if you don't have a stable way of seeing the world and how your place where your place is inside of that world, it's already a, a, a recipe for disaffecting a, a soul and, and pulling yeah. them into, I don't know, just confusion. So when they're doing that on a mass scale and you, and you, you, you tally up all of the, the almost innumerous environmental toxins that are out there, then, then certainly it, it, you just don't know how, uh, how much it affects, it affects people. And now you're talking about absolute um, coming out with these these new concoctions and remedies and treatments that are all genetically yeah. based. And yeah, but th- yeah. you know, well, thanks thanks for injecting a little bit of uh, old school good good old uh, end of the world conspiracy in there for us tonight, Robin. I needed sorry a break. about that. No, I I just been for so many years I've been like this. This is just all these things are coming together now, like the pieces of the puzzle. And I might be a nut job or something, but. You know, if you just look around us and everything that's going on, it just it leads in that direction. You know, so it's just like you you never know, I guess. But well, well, I it think, sure feels like it, like it's heading that way. I so. think you're on to something, Rob. Thanks for the call. All the best yeah. to you and the I wife. Appreciate you taking my call. Thank you. Good night. Take care. He sent me a nice nice picture memorial card of of his daughter, and I've I've kept that. It's in uh, it's in a lot of the 
stored belongings now. I can't wait to get out of the uh, of the basement in the coming weeks. Anyway, I um. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. There's no doubt about it. There is something happening. Everybody's very weak looking. All right, let's go. 9145. You know what? It's 830. Let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to be finishing up strong with you all. All right? Don't go nowhere. How many populations? I probably probably own more than 50 firearms. Many of them have increased in value two, three, or even four times. I sleep very comfortably outside Austin, Texas, knowing that I can defend my family. Okay, Alex Jones. Infowars.com. This is the man who wants to deport me from the country for wanting to get rid of it. No, no. It's it's to point out you're a foreigner, a redcoat, here telling us what to do. Whatever. Go back to where they took the guns if you don't like it. The communist... Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Are you excited? I'm looking forward to this, man. What do you want to do? Show me something. Come here, man. So I hate to be the bearer of bad oh, news. Come on, man. What's your plan here? Look, this is not... But that... They... You knew she was 13? No, I didn't. Well, I've got the transcript right here. Uh, <laughs> so this is funny. You know, I, I, I get all this information about... Instead of taking responsibility, he tries... Parts of the now infamous dossier on Trump have proven to be true. I know the history of the dossier, but it hasn't been discredited. In fact, it's been the opposite. It's been corroborated. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. This discredited dossier, which was paid for, paid for. Your intel community has corroborated all of the details in there, the meeting. Some of the substantive content of the dossier, we were able to corroborate in our intelligence community assessment, which Hmm. from other sources in which we had very high confidence. We know that with the FISA application, the relevant parts of Christopher Steele's dossier were corroborated. Say that if the application included information from the dossier, it would only be after the FBI had, in fact, corroborated information through its own investigation. We also know that as time goes on, more and more parts of the Steele dossier get corroborated. So when the president just refers to it as fake dossier, that is false? Uh, I... I don't think that's that, that is the accurate characterization for the entirety of the dossier. Clear investigators have corroborated part of the uh, dossier. The dossier has been corroborated by the intelligence community. U.S. investigators have corroborated some of the allegations in that dossier. Although we do know that parts of it have been corroborated. It's not been corroborated, but it hasn't been disproven either. Is there anything in the dossier that has been disproven? No. But not one thing has been disproven. No major thing from the dossier has been conclusively disproven. To date, none of it has been disproven. And whole big parts of it are holding up. The dossier um, holds up well. None of it has been disproven. All of the allegations in it, I don't know that anything has been disproven. It's a fact that none of it, not one word, has been disproven. In fact, a lot of it turned out to be right on the money. Former high-ranking intelligence officials have told us on the record that there is nothing in the Steele dossier that they know to have been disproven. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Do you not accept that I don't agree with that, Alice. This is our reporting, and this is what um, this is what crime-fighting agencies have said that the FBI would not have just taken a dossier to the FISA court and used that as their predicate for the surveillance. They had to corroborate it themselves. That's how they operate. I love Yep, you're cool. What's up? I love QFTV. Yep, you're cool. What's QFTV? Did you say what's QFTV? Miss, you're gonna need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after Quite Frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole.
Okay. Doesn't that make you sick? Okay, so it's the last half hour and I wanted to get some things done with you. Watch out for those crime fighting agencies, Allison. Oh, Allison Camerata, you are a piece of work. You should have never left the break room smearing those bad. I never wanted to be a bagel so bad in my life. You remember that story? Oh, I remember that. Some of my earlier work with Allison Camerata. Listening to her Me Too story about how she was ogled in the break room smearing a bagel. I've never wanted to be a bagel so bad in my life. Butter me, Allison. Butter me. Crime-fighting agencies have corroborated that there's nothing... Nothing's been disproven. That sounds great. That's well, Isn't that wonderful language? You can trust language like that. Well, nothing has been disproven. Can you imagine if a doctor spoke to you that way? You're asking if you have one disease or another, and they say, well, nothing has been disproven yet. But you just go home and relax and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll talk later. <laughs> I'm going to go see my doctor. Feels this is, there's something wrong. All right. Let's see. Uh, 914 I keep saying the wrong number. Have I been saying it all night? 914-200-0269. Call in whenever the hell you want. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. I've got... I've got nothing over here. I, I have some things we can go to that I think are pretty funny. First of all, we have this uh, Joe Biden goes to a black college and he says white supremacy is the greatest terrorism threat of 2024 or 2023 and for all time. President Biden on Saturday declared white supremacy, quote, the most dangerous terrorist threat to the American homeland, using a speech to graduating students at a historically black university to elevate a debate that has already become central to his campaign for a second term. Which is, I mean, is just, what? No. 971, who is this? Hey, this is the Confluence. Ah, it's the Confluence. Welcome What's to the up, show. Frank, how are you? Ladies and gentlemen, the, the Confluence. He's a friend of mine on Twitter. And uh, and, and today he was part of that panel that was on the uh, uh, the, the Twitter space. And, you know, we, we've been doing a little bit of this and I, tonight. And I'm just going to let you talk a little bit since you were there to see that. kind. What does it feel like to be surrounded by that kind of mindlessness um, especially when you're when you got Krasenstein's there, that that Joa guy, whoever the hell he is, it's just you can. There's no hope, is there? It's it's remarkable, Frank. It's remarkable, and uh, they they swim around in the slime that has been kind of dribbled out on us from the media with this homespun concoction of an idea to get Trump kind of in the uh, in the bullseye instead of Hillary. And the fact that they sit around and peddle these little elements of nuance and these 
uh, day-old fun of talking points that they just keep pulling out of their dark closet. It's remarkable that they could take themselves seriously. And in fact, that the spell has been cast so well that many in the room sort of sit in awe and we're, we're parsing these elements of nuance instead of the tremendous uh, misgiving of justice and the collusion of all of these different elements of everything that we held sacred all to kind of combat the American populace. It's just, it's something else, Frank. And you, you, it was it was frustrating to be in there. I took a couple swings when I could, but uh, yeah, hey. it was great to have you in there for a minute. Oh, I was just, I was just listening and, and you, you can't go too hard on yourself because that's like sit, that's like sitting on the shore and trying to beat back the tide all by yourself. And it's not uh, it's it's not possible. But uh, you are very complimentary in calling it nuance. I call it uh, deflective and 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 uh, and completely conflating. Uh, where where you'll, you're talking about something very specific, how everybody has been had by the FBI. They were lying. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a series of of uh, of well-meaning mistakes. They, everybody was lied to, just like they were lied to by the 51 people that they got together with the Hunter Biden laptop. It's all the same people. Exactly. It's been going on for generations. And the fact that I heard some of them moving the goalposts, not just uh, uh, that story, but trying to divert to, well, listen, isn't Russia a threat? Did they not just invade a, a Ukraine? And then they're trying to get people to, to the, the, some of the people in this, this space is trying to get folks like you to then debate them on whether or not Russia did actually invade Ukraine for one purpose or another, instead of talking about how you have clearly been lied to and you will not admit that the that the, the system in place that did this is still there. Exactly, Frank. And at some point, after hearing these like uh, these unwitting arguments and this continued subterfuge, you have to wonder. And you know, you're swimming around on these interwebs. And you have to wonder the degree of infiltration of agents of uh, this and misinformation that are among us. And you just come into some people so dense, so doofy, and yet so well-researched on such little uh, glancing propaganda spin. It's just bizarre. I, I'd hate to look behind the uh, the emperor's cloak or the, uh, the wizard's gown and see the little operation that's run with spreadsheets and counterpoints. It's just got to be a fucking spaghetti bowl of mess over there with all of their messaging and their little sub-agents feeding them nonsense. Oh, it's just got to be such a strange scene. I know. It, it is. It is. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that at least there was a couple of, uh, couple of folks who are willing to ask uh, the, the right questions like you. And, and I'm glad that you, you, you put a couple of moments aside for me tonight to call in. So I, I hope it's the first of many times, the confluence. Thank you so much for the call. Of course. Thank you, Frank. Keep doing what you're doing. Major fan for years. First time caller. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I'll and we'll, uh, everybody. You'll you'll see more of the confluence. We hang out on Twitter, and of course, if you were listening to that uh, that space today, you probably saw him in there doing the best he could to fight back the tides. Thanks again, man. Cheers. All Take right. care, frankly. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. There you go. So um, let's just take a little bit more on this. Hold on a second. So he's over there, and he's, uh, he's recounting the story of how he initially decided to run for the White House, this, this corpse that nobody voted for, after seeing white supremacists marching in Charlottesville in 2017. Yeah, that was when I knew I had to throw in my hat. Nobody wanted you, and you have been a racist. 
you're you have you it's really incredible i you've probably heard this ladies and gentlemen how many times over the last god knows how many years at this point but this man it's just i i i just can't i can't get i can't get over it here's the uh the the dhs secretary alejandro mayorkas who has major Patrick Bateman vibes. Listen to this. Listen to this. Hold on a second. Let me just get this all settled away. Here we go. Major vibes. Where is it? Okay, right here. Check it out. The president yesterday uh, at his commencement address uh, for the Howard University graduates called white supremacy uh, uh, the, the major domestic terror threat in this country. Is that correct? Uh, it tragically is, you know, um, in the terrorism context, domestic violent extremism is uh, our greatest threat. Uh, his, his diction, the pronunciation, is serial killer-like. His presentation, he came out of a factory. He, every morning, he reshaves his head. Every morning, he does it. He shaves him. He shaves himself down. He, he's smooth as a porpoise. There is something so wrong about this guy, and I have seen him popping up so much more because he talks about the border and stuff like that. The greatest threat when we have millions of people running across the southern border alone is white ter- white terrorism. Right now, individuals are driven to violence because of ideologies of hate, uh, anti-government sentiments, false narratives, personal grievances. and lo- Where's the violence? I guess they have to create some at this point, but where, where, who's been driven to violence? There's more than enough reason to, to not like this government, especially if you know what we're supposed to be. There's plenty of reasons to not like the pandering and these people who go and gaslight you into fits of rage in your own home where you just want to disconnect and say, you know what, go ahead, take it all. Go ahead, take it all. These these guys are so goddamn white that you, you can almost see through them, by the way. Joe Biden, the, he's a fucking ghost. I'm sorry I'm cursing now. Here, look, he's a ghost. This is coming right out of a, uh, out of a, of a horror film. Listen to this. The oldest, most sinister forces may believe they'll determine America's future, but they are wrong. We will determine America's future. So he's talking to um, a primarily black audience. He's trying to get everybody, everybody pumped up about how, you know, we, we're going to, this is our country and, and whatever. I, and I'm, I'm, think, I'm saying it's so crazy that in our world of inverses, he's projecting that rotting face He's projecting that rotting face, some, that, he, that his face is the face of some sort of liberation movement that is under constant attack by some sort of medieval retrograde force of conservatives who want to send us back to some kind of state of living that is going to subjugate half of the country or, or whatever the hell the ploy is. Now, the truth is, as you all know, he is the voice of the new slave master. And it's uh, terribly ironic that he's up there talking to a bunch of recent 
black American graduates from college. I'm sure not everybody in that room bought his bullshit. But still, this is a new kind of slave master who allows his property to walk free, to go to school, college college pieces of paper we call degrees. He calls them back when it's time to vote. That's what it's all. I, I had to. I had to say this for the one hundredth time that you probably heard it today, because there's just so many people out there. There's only so many things to say. But this guy is personally responsible for generations of Americans. No one impacted more than Black Americans being sent to prison for petty crimes and drug possession. His so-called vice president is just as bad for Black Americans and others in the state of California. So yeah, the relationship between master and slave has changed quite a bit, as Lyndon Johnson said it would before he pushed and poisoned us with the kind of welfare that we are now drowning in. But it's just incredible that he can go out there and say this, and that strange Patrick Bateman wannabe weirdo, Mayorkas, can go out there and back up the president with more white supremacy nonsense. And at the same time, we have the Patriot Force or the Patriot Front that shows up somewhere in their khakis. Check this out. Like they, they look like they were just they just got off on break from a, a hardware store. They all have khaki pants, a navy blue turtleneck or something, and then this pale gray face mask with their invisible man sunglasses and a golf cap. They all have their inverted American flags to to um to indicate that we are a country in distress. And they have a snare drummer there, too. Also, the gayest, the gayest accessory is this Party City Shield that they walk around with the Party City Shield. I I can't, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just too gay. I can't believe it. Now, it glows, no doubt. As Kyle said, there's, 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 Plenty of true believers that are probably walking around and doing this thing. But who really knows how many cooks are in this kitchen? Can't just be one person, one group. Avoid all. Here's the rule of thumb, ladies and gentlemen. Avoid all movements that describe themselves as a front. That's number one. And uh, and all movements that make you wear a uniform. That's number two. Especially uniforms that involve khaki pants and gladiator shields from Party City. It's laughable. And you then become a joke. So there we have it. 914-595-6953. Let's just, let's go for it. Uh, Jeanette, you're on the air. Who's this? I mean, Jeanette, what's going on? Hello, how are you? I'm doing fine. What's on your, what's on your, uh, your mind tonight? Um, my, uh, boat, boatloads of things. I am gay. I'm gay. You, uh, I'm gay. You are gay. I I wanted to call and say that the khaki uh, drummer boy there yes. is gay. He's gay. So you are no longer gay because that was some gay shit. I know. This t- um, just too much. It's unreal. It's yeah, it really is. So speaking about the critter, 
uh, the worm. Um, it, does anybody remember the part where the skin suit formerly known as, you know, Biden, um, did the eulogy at the great grand wizard, whatever, like the top, you know, the folks that wear them white outfits in the woods and do weird shit and don't like, you know, pigmented humans. Yeah. Um, he did, he said the eulogy at that guy's thing. And if I'm not mistaken in this country, that particular, um, group, we'll call them, that's the handing of the torch. So it's interesting with the Ukraine, we already know all the intricacies woven in that fuckhole place, horrible, very monstrous place, Ukraine, or, you know, it's their playground. But, um, like, to this day, they are at, like, football games, so soccer, and they're throwing up the, you know, who, like who? they're not raising their hand in class, but maybe like who? Who is? Who is? Uh, you, you lost me after the Robert Bur- after the Robert Bird reference. Ukraine. Well, yeah, like the K- that guy, that creature. Yeah, he when the individual who's giving the eulogy. So just like that, um, that vampire's coronation, how illegitimate that shit is over in England. Same same idea, but the coronation of the individual who's eulogizing the former big boss. And the um, you know onesie, you know. Well, I, I get, I, I get, I get what you're saying, Jeanette, and thank you for the call. You I want to get, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, listen, it, it's yeah. all they all they all pay they all pay the respects. They all pay the respects to the uh, the the real the system and the CEOs. Thank you for the call. I want to get a few more in before we're over here. They all pay their respects. Robert Byrd had a lot more people eulogizing him than just Joe Biden. I mean, this was well attended. The Obamas. Uh, the Clintons sort of like lauded him, and then and what do they say? You know, you were eulogizing there and celebrating the life and memory of a uh, of a very high ranking KKK member and a long member of Congress. I mean, this is a this is not a good look, is it? Oh well, he he changed. Not to say that there hasn't been people to walk away from the KKK before, but uh, these people don't change. They don't. They don't. Um, they don't change. Political aspirations do. This group, that's just the way it is. All right, let's take a call from uh, David. What's going on, David? There and celebrating the life and memory of a uh, David. High-ranking. Hello. Hello, David. Go ahead. It's Frank. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I didn't think it, that was. Uh, I was watching the. Stream. I didn't think it would go through. Go like right. That fast. Well, 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 it's great to have you on finally after all this time, but but we're running out of time, so please go right ahead with your thought. I, I only wanted to call because uh, I just, I've been watching you for, I think, maybe October, November of 2020, and I normally have to podcast it because I'm a truck driver, so I just get to listen to it later. I don't get to watch. So I just wanted to... So what you uh, get? You had, you had the day off today? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm glad that you got to finally catch it live. Well, I'm sure you've since 2020 you've caught a few live ones, but it's great to have you on tonight, Dave. Yeah, I've caught it live a few times, but just never got to really call in or say anything. But, you know, I just... I want to just say... Uh, I was 
my brain's a little free, uh, freezing up right here, but um, I was watching a thing that you or listening to a thing that you were doing a couple of days ago, and uh, it was talking about how you reach people exponentially with, mm-hmm. you know, a certain thing that you might not think that's that important. You know, it's a minor thing to you, but it exponentially goes out there. Um, and I just think that's so important, and I think it's important for people to, you know, maybe give some of that energy back and be like, hey, you know, because uh, your show is awesome, and, you know, it's all over the place. There's like, I mean, there's no specific topic in general, but well, I'm glad, I'm glad that's the way it comes across. I, I never want, I never wanted to be predictable. And I think that I've, um, I think (laughs) there's no predictable there. No, it's good. That's a good thing, David. Trust me because I I spent, and I, I kept telling myself over the years, you need all throughout the, and, and you know what? Like, I know you've, I know you've been watching for years because I, get some of the emails and all that it's great to hear from you and i hope you call in again i have to wrap up but i got i got a few thoughts on what you just said right there i'll expand on and uh and thank you again for the call my friend all right brother have a good night you too enjoy the enjoy the rest of your day off and drive safe tomorrow so yeah i um always very important to go back and change things up to do the off-topic nights, to do the movie review nights, which we have to do more of those. We have to do a lot of things that completely shake things up, and it uh, it shakes a lot of loose leaves off the tree, too, because I want people to know this is not a news show. We will do it, and when we do do it, we can do it as good as anybody else, but it's very important to do more for nothing else than just for the sake of taking care of our heads. And, uh, and I'm glad it's a little bit unpredictable. What's tomorrow night? Oh, I don't know where we're going. We can do a few things tomorrow night. I have a, th- I have a thread open that I hope that some of you guys can go and do. It'll be a short show tomorrow, but let me just try to drink, bring some of your attention to this. It's on the blog. If, if you go to quitefrankly.tv, I'm sorry, the forum, quitefrankly.tv, you hit the forum. And at the top, I mean, we have a couple of open threads that we're going to be doing starting in the month of June. We got the greatest and worst concert experiences, the biggest concert regrets, like a concert you knew you could see and you didn't go do it. We have strange personal food preferences that I still, I dip into from time to time. But here's the one I put up the other day. It's only got two responses, but it's called the one that got away. Did you ever lock eyes with someone on a bus or a train or a summer carnival or in line at a coffee shop and knew you both were perfect for each other? Describe a situation where you made a brief, indescribable connection with someone and then never saw them again. Any variation of this scenario is acceptable, and it does not have to be romantic. I know you said, well, you said perfect for each other. Well, you can be fast friends. Like, you you just something about this person you knew that, oh, man, I, we, there's just... You know, there's there's some kind of a frequency that linked. But I know there's people out there who have one that got away stories. Did did it? Did you see somebody, a guy or a girl or whatever, that made you come back to the bus stop 
the next day and a few other days at the same time hoping to see them again. I would love to get a couple of those stories. I've got, uh, I've got two responses there too. I don't know what we do tomorrow, but maybe if we get five more responses, we can do that. It'll only be, it'll be a shorter show, but hey. Anyway, I think we did good time tonight. I thank you all for the, the, uh, the, the company, the calls. Let me get to some super chats, make sure that we're all good. Tangerine, 26, thank you. Chai Possum says, please curse more, Frank. I need it. I need it. I need it. Boys Blanc and Porpoiseful. Thank you for rounding it all out over there. Over on Rumble, we have a couple of rants. The first one up is Cody117 says, Frank, anytime that I feel fed up with the bullshit, I go back and watch Paul McCartney's music video, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. Very refreshing seeing a beautiful family just existing in sane times. You can also watch uh, Little House in the Prairie. You can always watch that. Citizen Lens, what's going on, Lens? Lens and I are friends from Twitter. Says, don't you dare talk about my Patriot Front comrades like that. I'm a proud member, even though I still haven't found any other members. Listen, as long as you buy the khakis and the scarf, the hat, the Ray-Bans, and your shield, others will flock to you. It's like moths to a flame. You'd be surprised how many Patriot Fronts are all around us. And they're just waiting for everybody else to be comfortable with all that display. Um, I encourage you all now to go and uh, to spend some time, uh, some time in the after hours on quitefrankly.tv as we have wonderful Mystery Movie Monday material that's about to go live. So after hours on quitefrankly.tv is about to go live. Spend some time in the chat there. You can just leave it on in the background. Set it off to the side on one of your many computer screens as you go and do the rest of your thing for the evening. And last night, the, mother, the Mother's Day programming for quitefrankly.tv was great. I curated it myself, as I always do on Sunday evening. So I got in touch with Abe and Cody. I said, it's Mother's Day. We have to have a nice Mother's Day marathon. So I said, get these three. We could have done more movies, but the the three that I picked out, the first one was Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which Lauren and I watched that on Saturday night. I wish I enjoyed it more, but my my head was like in a vice grip, but it was a lot of fun. I love that movie. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Throw Mama from the Train, classic. And then we rounded it out with Serial Mom. So it was a very irreverent night of mom-related Stories we could have put mommy dearest in there, but um, with it going live at 9 p.m. Mommy dearest wouldn't have started until about 3 in the morning And then what's what's the point of that? I know some of you watching on the West Coast at midnight would have liked it But anyway, I don't know what's on the agenda tonight, but something is starting very soon Get to quite frankly TV and tomorrow at 7 o'clock. I will be here hoping to uh, treat with you all once again So thanks again ladies and gents. Let me make sure nobody sent anything on Oh, the Sentinel said, Great show, Frank. We have been having a good time over on Theta discussing the topics of the night. Look forward to tomorrow. I love that Theta exists. Tofu TV says, Here's my periodic flick of a coin into your guitar case, Frank. Listening since 2018. Think they will transition from labeling conservatism, white to white supremacy, to Christo-fascism soon. Marxism being fundamentally anti-Christ. You know, 
Christofascism sounds very doable for them. Yeah, white supremacy. Well, they already started. They already said Christian nationalism. So they say white Christofascism. Oh, that rolls off the tongue. And these midwits love saying things that make them sound smart and educated. When really they're just all like sourcing new made up bullshit words and terms together on Reddit. That's their think tank right there. It substitutes for a real classic education. Larkstar says, thanks for all you do, Frank. The chat came up with a great number for the show suggesting, uh, suggested 900 no pants. The first night you had a catchy phrase, 2000269. No, but 2000269. Yeah, but there's the 914. 914-2000-269. 2000. 2000. It's new. It's very new. It was easy peasy. Much love. Thank you. Kala Anon says, hi, Frank. Please say hi to my granddaughter, Gracelyn. And her mom, my daughter, Crystal, who is listening for the first time tonight. They are cruising around Waukesha tonight in beautiful Wisconsin spring weather, 66 degrees, no wind, no bugs. That sounds beautiful. Gracelyn, how are you? Are you enjoying a nice cruise with mom? There's nothing like cruising around with mom. Nothing like it. Well, thank you, Kala Anan, and uh, all the best to your wonderful family out there enjoying a spring evening with no bugs that's the best part and dan schumann asking about the supplement to brain to speed up with kyle's mouth i don't know but you can go check him out tonight on laura ingram and you can say hey we just saw him a little while ago we had the warm-up act so good night everybody it's been real talk to you tomorrow I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film of our live studio audience, and now our super chatter is starting with the Patriot Front, the Sentinel, Tofu TV, Larkstar 444, Kala Anon, Dan Schumann, Ken McNeil, KT Sky D, Uber Viking. Uber Viking, Phil's WW, Rick from Tulsa. Thank you to all my friends over there on Rumble who sent some rants. Cody117 and Citizen Lens. Tomorrow is another day, my friends. Thank you for tonight, and I will see you on QuiteFrankly.tv. I'll be there shortly. Good night. Oh, we got some great movies tonight. You're going to love this. You're going to love the movies tonight. It is badassery. Badassery. Everybody else is fucked up.